Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table. He said to them, <clears throat> Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example, that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, mandate, mandi, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your holy word. Holy Spirit, would you speak now in these words, in this time, this kairos time, in these elements of bread and the fruit of the vine... Water. Meet us here, O Lord. Help us to hear you and do what you say, we pray in your name. Amen. Jesus' humility. 
should really bring us to our knees, just as we sang a moment ago. It's quite remarkable what happens on that night as he gets up from the table and, and pours water and then takes off his outer robe, rolls up his sleeves, so to speak, and grabs somebody's feet and starts washing them. I mean, even in that time where washing of feet was more common, it was still surprising that the master would do this, that the Lord himself would do this. And it must not be lost upon us, this act of humility. And I've thought, I've thought and I've, I've, every time I, I teach through world religions and about other gods, it's always... I don't know, I don't even have the words to say what it is. Remarkable, wonderful, awe-inspiring, worshipful, that our God would kneel before His disciples. Like, that's the opposite of everything else. All idols, you kneel before them. Now, God Himself is kneeling before His disciples. I mean, this is just an unbelievable event in all of human history. Uh, Not only has He become a human, which... It's kind of like us becoming a slug. But now he has humbled himself even further. But he won't be done there, will he? He's going to be beaten. He's going to be naked on a cross. And then he's going to be laid to rest as dead. For he surely was. And then he's going to go to hell itself as we recite in the creed weekly. In order to save those who were in Abraham's bosom. And take captivity captive. You see, Jesus makes quite a descent on our behalf. He goes way, way down to get us. Really, the lowest part, which is death. He goes into death itself in order to destroy death by His death. But then, that's not the end of the story, is it? He doesn't just go down real far. Down this way. But instead, he begins to come up again, right? I mean, that's what we celebrate on Easter Sunday is that all of a sudden that very body becomes alive again with Jesus. And he enlivens that body and that body is resurrected from the dead for all eternity. And then he makes his ascent back to the Father, which, you know, what shape does this make, guys? You know, it makes a V for victory, right? Because Christ, through His descent and then ascent, wins the victory for us. And so this is good news. What He's doing as He's kneeling here is He is humbling Himself. And He, on this day, on this Monday Thursday, where we get that term is from mandate. The term is a new mandate, a new commandment. Is to love one another. And so really there's no better way to express that than by the humbling of ourselves before one another. Not pushing to the front of the line, but rather serving others. And of course, we talk much about this, and of course, many of you do just that. And yet many of us have pockets of resistance in our life, whether it be at work, or whether it be in our family, or whether it be with somebody that's just in our life that sometimes we wish wasn't in our life. And yet we remember, we must remember that even Jesus contended with those who were difficult to deal with, did He not? Even those who were 
from the tithes and offerings stealing. From those who literally dipped within the cup of which they ate and drank. And so it was for Judas to betray him. As I was, uh, <clears throat> as I was looking over some of the epistles this morning, I was, I was struck in the middle of, you know, have you ever been teaching? I mean, some of you teachers know this. Have you ever been teaching something and then you learn something, all of us? I mean, you're like, oh, you know, and, and you want to just, I had a long pause because I had to think through it really quickly. Uh, and, and then I shared a little bit of it with them, but I haven't fully thought through it completely. But it seems as if in the Pauline epistles, in Paul's epistles, such as, Particularly Ephesians, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm learning something new right now. Especially the prison epistles. So every one of them that he's in prison, which includes, of course, Ephesians and Colossians. um, He does this thing where, where he mentions mysteries of our faith. In other words, he talks about the mysteries of our faith. This mysterious, even cosmic Christ. You know, we kind of have a cosmic Christ now that I'm thinking about it in Huntsville, don't we? That's actually what that's called. It's not the egg beater Christ. You know that, right? Like, technically, I've, I've read about this. It is technically, it's the cosmic Christ, even though it does look like he's an egg beater. Do you know what you guys know what I'm talking about? First Baptist, you know, the beautiful mural that's there is actually the cosmic Christ is the name of that piece of artwork that they're, that they're redoing. Anyway, he is a cosmic Christ because what he did did not just affect Humans. It wasn't just like he sliced a little effect into our world. Instead, it was a groundbreaking act, what he's doing. Not only was he breaking bread, but he was breaking literally the chains of sin and of death. He was reorienting, I mean, turning a ship, if you will, all the way around in one instance where suffering becomes a means through which one can be sanctified. One can follow Christ only in His sufferings. In our small group this week, this Wednesday at Adtran, we were, we were speaking about just that. How is it that we can have such suffering in this life? Why doesn't God do something about it? Well, He does. That's what we're remembering even tonight. And His answer to the problem of suffering in the world is not just a philosophical answer. He doesn't write a book to answer the question. Instead, he joins in our suffering and transforms our suffering so that death or suffering does not have to be the end of us. It can actually be the sanctification of us. For we find Christ maybe most closely in our suffering. And so as he breaks that bread, he's also simultaneously breaking the cosmos from the power of sin and death. It really is a cosmic effect. It's this mysterious thing that is happening that we continue to call these sacraments, right? which sacrament comes from the Latin sacramentum, and, and that comes from two words smashed together. One is sacer, which is like sacred, and the other one means mystery. 
So this is a sacrament is just simply a holy mystery, a sacred mystery. And, and what kind of mystery is this? It's one that the very acts that we do here, that we practice weekly as a church, these rituals, if you will, these liturgies that we do, these practices that Christ himself has given us to do in remembrance of him are connected to a reality that is beyond just what's happening right here. In other words, we, we, get to, we get to all of a sudden participate in something that is way bigger than we are. We didn't start it. We're not going to be the last to do it. But we continue to remember him. And so here we are in the midst of storms approaching, in the midst of Madison growing, and all the various things that have gone on in your life today and my life today, here we are proclaiming his death until he comes again. In the face of suffering, in the face of losing those that we love, of death itself knocking at some of our doors possibly, we proclaim his life. We proclaim his salvation. Hosanna in the highest. And so as we as he breaks bread and as we break bread tonight, we are connected to breaking the chains of sin right here. Isn't that a cool mystery? You see how that's a mystery? It's just like in these... Can I tell you something? This bread's probably from Publix. <laughs> this, this is juice from, from a grocery store. Kroger, wherever. What makes it Holy. Jesus, that's who makes it holy. He can take ordinary things and make them extraordinary. That's what it means to be holy, is to be extraordinary. One has the Spirit. You're not just living through life by yourself, but rather you have the Holy Spirit in you. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is, this is also symbolized here in what we do, isn't it? Take, put it in our body. Drink. Put it in our body. We are to have Christ in us. And so the revelation I came to today simply was this. Paul talks about mystery. Yeah, big time. I mean, when you read Ephesians and Colossians, his Christology is the highest Christology ever written about. Ever. And yet, he moves right into the second part of his book into ministry. So you go from mystery, great mystery, to then Paul says, okay, well, what are you going to do about it now? Don't live up there. Don't live with just these high thoughts, just this beautiful artwork that has been painted. How now shall you live? What's the next step? How do you treat your kids? Oops. How do you treat your spouse, those that are in your household? How do you treat your parents? You see... How do we live this out at the house? Paul's very concerned with this in his epistles. And I think Jesus is concerned with this in our own lives, even tonight. So I want to invite you into the mystery. This is a mystery. Holy communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper is a holy sacrament. And yet, this shouldn't be the end of our night. We should allow God himself to break the power of sin in our own lives by faith 
as we do these acts in obedience to Him. We should, as the cup is raised, we too should be raised in newness of life. As we are touched by the waters, we should be reminded that we have entered into new life. New life. We are born not of the seed just of Adam, but of Christ. He is our head. We are a new humanity. And there will be a new kingdom of God. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And we will have a new body. Resurrected. Glorified. Praise be to God for His resurrection. Praise be to God for these mysterious acts. Praise be to God that He can take this high, beautiful understanding of God and apply it to us at home as we struggle to love one another. For this is the mandate He gives to us. This is to help us to love one another. Do you have that love for one another? If you don't, now is the time to repent and believe. Do you know that new life? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Baptized with with the Holy Spirit and fire? If not, now is the time. Christ is ready to respond to us. Just as He responded to the disciples, He is here ready to respond to us tonight and I believe this I believe that it is for us this night and I believe it in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen